Praise God. Well, this is a lovely privilege to be able to come and share with you today and uh, have the opportunity to speak with you. Enjoy the greatest show on earth. And it really was. Thank you. Uh, do we call it your children, your Sunday school children? Or whatever we call it. You did a great job. I could just about sit down now and say you preached my sermon. Just about. But I really wouldn't be a preacher if I, if I went and sat down there. You'd think, oh, you haven't got your money's worth, have you? But you, you young people did a wonderful job. Thank you very much for your wonderful portrayal of the story of Christmas. But it's more than a story, isn't it? It's a reality. And although it happened 2,000 years ago, it's just as real today. I'm sorry, I'm just getting used to this the harness around me here. I keep seeing it down here at the corner of my eye and think, someone's coming. <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong yet. No one's going to grab me and drag me off. Are they surely not? But uh, it's wonderful to uh, be able to be here with you today and share with you on this Christmas Eve about our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's a special season, isn't it? Man, we were driving over here because we live at Seaford. So we were driving over here and I was watching the people on the sides of the road. Some were out walking dogs, others were out with kids playing in playgrounds. We saw just, just here in the outskirts of Macclesfield, a, a, a dad out playing softball with his kids in the, in the front garden, you know. And we thought, people don't really know what day it is. It's Sunday, but it's Christmas Eve, but it feels like a Saturday, but we're getting ready for something tomorrow. What day is it today? What should we be doing? I don't know. It, all, it almost seemed like that was their dilemma as to work out what it was they should be but I thank God that we are here together today to honour Jesus Christ, whose, whose birth we celebrate and commemorate in this service today. So I pray that you, you are touched, you were touched in your, in your heart by the, by the play that children played for us, and I trust by the words that I speak. And, and I've got to say this, I apologies already, uh, Pastor Barry. When I went to Bible College, a said man back there sitting there was a lecturer to me. And now for the first time in my life, I'm getting to speak to him. <laughs> you, you really have no idea how, how, how wonderful that feels actually. <laughs> and threatened and uh, terrifying and... and <laughs> Not really. So, here we are to celebrate this special day. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we ask that you bless our hearts, you help our ears to hear what you would say to us today, to refresh us, uh, to make real to us the truth of Jesus Christ's birth and all that it meant to mankind. Lord God, we thank you now. Amen and amen. I'm just... Uh, are you coming to me? No. Seriously, I put the So, reading to you from the scriptures from Matthew chapter 1, and uh, it just simply says this in verse 16 Matthew 1 16 says, And Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom 
that's by Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. I'm going to leave out verse 17, but we'll leave that for another day. Now we go to verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. So we're going to read, it's a factual statement. It's, it's information that's been laid out for us to, to grasp and come to grips with. It, it's, not, it's not just a narrative, it's not just a nice fairy tale, it's, it's not just a, a story. It's not something just to illustrate a point. It's what actually happened. And, and the Bible goes on to say that, that this birth and ultimately his death, this life of Christ, is the centre point of all history. It's the centre point. It's what revolves around as far as God's concerned. Now I know that we're living... 2,000 years later than when it occurred. And I know that uh, well, some people think to think that they are the centre point of all history, or today is the centre point of all history. But if I look at it from God's perspective, then the giving and birth of His Son, His Son's life, and then His Son's death, and then resurrection and ascension back to heaven, was the centre point of all history. So I, I want to try and help us understand that today. Um, it was necessary because for years, throughout the, what's known as the Old Testament, there'd been observances, there'd been sacrifices, there'd been things to do. All sorts of procedures to carry out and uh, ways of life to observe, which was intended to point forward to this moment. People thought that, some people thought that was enough. But it was only pointing forward to this moment. And so, it wasn't enough for God. So God had to do something different. Those sacrifices, those ceremonies, just didn't measure up. They didn't make the changes necessary for us. So I want you to step outside the box for a moment and imagine, imagine you, were, you were privy to the discussion or the observation to see in the portals or the, the courtyards of heaven where God the Father says to the Son, you're going down to be like them because we have to do something for them because they can't do it for themselves. And the only way that we can officially and properly and rightly do it for them is to become like them. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin Mary. Now many of us would have heard lots or some information about Mary. She's a, a wonderfully chaste and beautiful young, young girl. She was engaged to be married. And suddenly, it's discovered that she's pregnant. Now, that's not really the way things were done, or expected to be done. And so that, and there, that brings a whole range of conf conflicts into the situation. What would the other 
relatives and family members say, you were engaged. What are you doing being pregnant already? What has Joseph been up to? But the scripture that we read expressly says that Joseph was betrothed or engaged. He was the husband of Mary. But this baby that was being born was of God. God's own instigation. In fact, we'll read on a bit further how the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she became pregnant. We don't understand how that happened. And we're not here today for a biological lesson or a lesson in biology. That's not our purpose. But our purpose is to allow faith to grip our hearts that God wanted to get into, step into creation, into his creation. He wanted to be like you and I. And the only way he could really do it was to become like we were. If he if appeared, if Jesus had appeared here as a man 30 years of age, then all the children of the world would say, but he hasn't had to do the things that we had to do. He hasn't had to be disciplined. He's a grown man. Who's going to put him over the knee and give him a fact? Who's going to direct his activities and actions? So Jesus was born a baby, just like you and I, so that God ultimately could extend his invitation to every single person. Because Jesus came into this world exactly the same way as you and I. The only difference is he didn't have the human instigation of his beginning. God gave him that first breath of life. So now you're in heaven and you're committing your son to this bunch of people down on earth. What sort of a dad are you going to look for to look after your boy on earth? You're going to give him to a king? You're going to give him to a pauper? You're going to give him to someone who's just middle of the road? What sort of person are you going to commit your son, this adoptive, this adoptive father, what sort of person are you going to commit your son to? So bear with me as we just explore these ideas for a couple of minutes. Verse 18 again, it just says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away privately or secretly. And when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. 
So we've got an interesting situation here. Joseph. The Bible says the first thing about Joseph is that God chose Mary and then chose this betrothed man, Joseph, and says that he was a righteous man. A man who did right, right standing, right attitudes, right direction before God. He did what was right in God's eyes. He considered God in his whole way of life. And so he wasn't into the, into the, uh, the rush of making decisions without considering how this would reflect his attitude and his life before God. And so he's, he's given this title, or given this, this position or this relationship of being right or right standing with God. He loved God, he honoured him, he served him. He maintained right attitudes in his life. And this is demonstrated because the next phrase says, and, and when he was aware of his wife's situation, he didn't want her to be disgraced. He didn't want to be made a laughing stock. He didn't want all the Jerusalem gossips. Have you heard about Joseph's new wife? He didn't want any of that. He was protecting her from the very get-go. He was looking out for her, looking after her, and considering her. He had a wonderful attitude toward Mary, his wife. Not wanting to see her disgraced or made shame of or in any way mocked or embarrassed. That's right. That's what I'm doing. So, so then he goes and says, what can I do for my Mary? He considered putting her away secretly, sending her off to a little village somewhere to get his child. But because it was God's child, an angel comes and speaks to Joseph. So God actually foresaw that Joseph had a right heart disposition, that he had a right attitude toward life and toward the things of God. And so when he discovered Mary was pregnant, he didn't do the normal reactionary things. But he did something that was abnormal. He did something that was right and proper. And while he was considering her, God said, I know you've got a dilemma on your hands. God comes down and gives Joseph a dream. He says, don't worry about these things. The child is from me. Just, just for a minute, gentlemen, you're engaged to a young lady and suddenly she presents to you as being pregnant. My first reaction is, was, what have you been up to? My, my second reaction would be, I'm not so sure that we're in this right relationship together here. There's something going on that I don't know too much about. But I want to say this to you, that God saw that the heart of Joseph was such that he wasn't going to let just human selfish or self-centered or just human, just human emotions or reactions take over the control of the circumstance. Joseph actually went and said, well, 
how can I deal with this situation? What can I do? That's why God chose Joseph to be this adoptive father. And so the time comes and, and this babe is, uh, is, is uh, progressing. Joseph is looking after his wife Mary. He's doing all these right things. And I got to thinking about that. I thought, wow, these attitudes really flow very closely with the kind of attitudes that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. That he is, he is God in love sending his son to live as we are and ultimately give his life for us. Tremendous display of love. Overwhelming display of love. And here is Joseph now standing in the light of that great sacrifice from God and he's, he's doing the same thing. He's put his own well-being aside. He's put his own selfish desires aside. And he said, all right, I'm not going to have a relationship with this woman until she gives birth to this baby that has been birthed or been, been begun by God. I'm going to look after her and protect her. I'm going to keep her as my bride. I'm not going to push her out and push her away. He, he did all the right things. And some of the attitudes of love says that thinks no evil someone. Does not repay a hurtful, uh, a hurtful uh, situation with a corresponding hurtful situation. Believes all things, hopes for all things, trusts in all things are the attitudes of love that we're told about in 1 Corinthians 13. Who actually believes that the past is already bathed in love, that the current situation can be worked out in love, and in love a future has been made and drawn. One of the other things that Joseph wrestled with was in looking after Mary, his wife, he was being written in for the annals of history. He was fulfilling the prophecy. He was working with things that the prophets had spoken, not just last year, not, not just five years ago. He was working in with guys like Isaiah, who 700 years before Christ was born, said that a babe would be born. Like the minor prophets, who need to mention here right now, and actually, his actions in caring for this baby that was being, that he was raising under his uh, adopted fatherhood was actually speaking right back to the Garden of Eden when God said, I will provide an answer for the situation and the, the, the dilemma that people have now found themselves in. But when you're considering some of the Joseph's actions. If you can just look at it, I think you'll see some of those wonderful attitudes and attributes that of God's love being played out in him. And finally, it was the right of every dad to call his son after himself. 
Now I've got a, we have three sons. Um, our first son, his name is Benjamin. And guess what his second name is? Benjamin Paul. Guess what? I'm there. <laughs> he's larger than life than I am. He's, he's, he's bigger than me. He's, he's there. Our second son, our third son, well, they got good names. Wesley David and Jonathan Mark. I mean, they got good names, but I took the right to name our first son after me. And Joseph had to stand there or be as in the visitation from the angel and, and the angel said, but you're not going to call this child jo- Joseph. His name will be Jesus. And Jesus is a translation into the common day Greek of the day or koinonia. It, uh, it's, it's a translation from Hebrew from Joseph, uh, from sorry, from Joshua, which actually means saviour. And so the bottom line is this. When we sang that beautiful power that says, Emmanuel, God with us. This is exactly what God did through Jesus and his birth. Is that he came and he came right among us. He came just as we are. And yet, as the Bible records, he did it without sin. And sin sometimes can sound like a big bad word, and, and it's a pretty bad thing, but sin can, you can easily describe sin as just disobedience to God's intention and God's purposes. Just going in a different way. Just saying, no, I'm not doing it your way. Even though you made us, no, I know better. Even though you've been around longer, I'm still going my own way. That's, that's sin. Disobedient to God's purposes. Disobedient to God's direction. Disobedient to the manufacturer's instruction. Now God, we've all done it. There's not one of you here that hasn't bought a product from the supermarket or from the, uh, from the uh, electronic store, from Harvey Normans. You brought it home and there's an instruction manual that comes with it. And what do you do with the instruction manual? You park it over there on the side carriage. I can do this, I can fix this. And you've got wires going everywhere, and you've got this and that happening. I can make it happen. If you really are lucky, a little, a little puff of black smoke comes out the back. <laughs> and a little sign pops up and says, Fail! And if only I'd read the instruction manual, could have done something different. And so today we have an instruction manual. If we take the time to look at it and read it and come to grips with a loving Heavenly Father who sent His only begotten Son to stand in our shoes, to be like we are, so that indeed Jesus could say, I am just like you, but without sin. And so that at the point, at the end of this life, as this life was lived, that he could die and give his life. At that point, he could say, I've done it for each one of you. None of you are any different. I've done it for you. And I 
have been there. I've been exactly in your shoes. But without sin in his case. And so he offers us this marvellous transaction. This marvellous transfer. He says, take my whole life. My unbroken life. Take my pure life. And you receive that. And I will take your rubbish and your junk. Because I already did it on the cross. No wonder God said his name will be called Emmanuel. God with us. In our place. And no wonder special care was taken in choosing Joseph to be the adoptive father of Jesus. No wonder it says that he was a righteous man. He did things what was right. So Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that we have an example here of Jesus our Saviour. But we have a wonderful example of what it's like to be a wonderful, chaste young lady and be involved in your plan, Lord God, to give birth to our Saviour. And Father, we thank you for this man who for every man can be an example of what an acceptable life is to you. So Father, I pray as we celebrate this Christmas time, as we commemorate what Jesus has done for us, Lord, no matter what part or what station in life we are at at the moment, a believer or an unbeliever, Lord God, that we realise that you did it not because you wanted to beat us with a big stick, that you sent Jesus your Son because of great love for us, for we are your creation. And I thank you this day that because of Jesus' obedience and submission to your will and plans and purposes, that we can have that life forevermore that we've sung about here today. Father God, I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, children, for your showing us all about and what it means to be, and what it means for Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, musicians.